Welcome to the Luxury Listing Specialist Podcast with Michael Lafito, where top luxury agents reveal their best practices, plus interviews with real estate industry influencers, thought leaders, and luxury marketing experts. You'll come away from each episode with new strategies and tactics to dominate high-end homes in any market. And now for the latest episode of Luxury Listing Specialist. Here's your host, luxury real estate expert, coach, and trainer, Michael Lafito. Hey, everybody. Michael Lafito. Welcome back to the Luxury Listing Specialist podcast, where top agents and broker owners and brokerages tune in to hear cutting-edge strategies from both top producing agents and leading authorities in real estate. I'm really excited about today's guest. Sean Conlon. Sean Conlon, maybe you've heard the name. Sean has been featured on CNBC's The Deed. I mean, he's uh, the embodiment of the American dream, a determined immigrant who worked tirelessly uh, two jobs to uh, before striking it big. Um, Sean uh, came to the U.S. He'll share his story a little bit, but uh, he basically worked a couple different jobs as he got his real estate license, uh, and, and it took classes during the night, and he did become licensed. And in the late 90s, Sean was, uh, mid to late 90s, Sean was doing an amazing job in the Chicago real estate market. He now owns a Chicago-based company known as Conlin, which is a Christie's International Real Estate Affiliate, and they do about a billion dollars a year in residential real estate and about a half a billion dollars in commercial sales. So without further ado, let's welcome Sean Conlin. Sean, thank you for joining us today. Hey, Mike. Uh, delighted to be here, and obviously very fortunate Conlin Christie's to have a proper affiliation with Mike Lafito, who I consider one of the best luxury brokers, and I might say trainers of luxury brokers and agents in the country. So great to be here. Well, thank, thank you for, A, joining, and thanks for the compliment, Sean. I appreciate that. Um, and um, I briefly gave some bullet points on your background, but uh, obviously you can tell your story a little bit better. So, you know, in two or three minutes, if you wouldn't mind, uh, I know that you can probably talk for a half hour on this. But, but <laughs> you, you obviously haven't been around Irish people much, but in a nutshell, uh, immigrated <laughs> to America, a working-class family, uh, truly believes that real estate uh, sales would be the path and my quickest path to actually getting a foothold on the wealth ladder. And I cold called and worked like crazy. And uh, by the end of the 90s, they said I was selling. They say, well, I was selling $200 million plus with an average price of under 400000 initially. Um, and then obviously grew into the luxury market. So... Obviously, I'm living proof that anybody can do it. Well, I mean, your work ethic, and you have such a great story. It's been featured on a lot of different publications. Um, and so, I mean, that's one of the main reasons I wanted to get you on this show is, is you know, there's a lot of limiting beliefs that real estate agents have, and especially breaking into luxury. Many of them think they have to have the silver spoon, you know, born with it in their mouth and come from, you know, that rich neighborhood. And you're an example of, of course, that American dream where, you know, that, that isn't the case. And, um, you know, many times people that listen to the show, they say, well, Mike, you know, I don't have a lot of high-end luxury mansions in, in my neighborhood. And, 
and my message to them is, well, listen, even if we can help you get into the next elevated price point. So if you're selling $250,000 homes and we can get you up to 300000 over the course of a year, the average sale price, that would be giving yourself a 20% raise selling the same number of homes. So don't think you got to you know, go from 250 to 300 to, to the million dollar average sale price. But rags to rich, riches, I mean, coming over from Ireland, and obviously you still got that great Irish brogue, uh, <laughs> and I, I, I enjoy talking to you. So, you know, Sean, based on, on your story, and, and you and I have talked a little bit offline, but um, what, what made you um, such a success in real estate? Um, you know, was it timing, or did you have a formula? Did you have a niche? Um, yeah, I know you had the work ethic. Um, right. You know, if it were easy, everybody would do it. But, but if you wouldn't mind sharing today, you know, what made you such a success as a real estate agent? So two things. Firstly, I want to touch on the last comment you made about getting into the luxury thing. And I hear that all the time about, oh, you know, I don't know these people. So your advice is really good advice. And for want of a better word, you'll call it the elevator approach. You know, I didn't go from an average price of 300 to 2 or 3 million overnight. What actually sort of happened is my clients grew with me and I grew with my clients, right? So not only did their, you know, their trade-up, they, got, they went with me because I maintained contact, maintained the relationship. So technically, I grew into that market space with a lot of my clients. Uh, I also would, would take brochures when I was at the three or $400,000 price range from the company I was at, which was a Christie's study at the time, and turn them into nice brochures with my name attached to show that we played in this space, the company. I wasn't claiming I did. I claimed we did, right? Right. So... Just to answer that point, so what did I have? So, you know, people would say timing, but when I got in the business, people said, oh, you should have been here in the 80s, you really missed it. So I had a work ethic that compared to none, but I also approached it like a business. The problem with with agency and brokers, we have a tendency to say, oh, this is great, I'll come in when I want. No, I approached it like I'd gotten a high-powered finance advisory job up every morning at 6.30 a.m., in the office before 9, in at 8 a.m., you know, worked, had a system, consistency. People are not consistent. They consistently mailed out. At the time I cold called, I walked the neighborhood I wanted to work. I walked it. I called. I walked consistently. And eventually that pays off. So I had an approach and I had goals. And you have to have goals because otherwise they're just dreams if you don't write them down. But if you write them down and you focus on them, everything I put on my, what you would call today a vision board, I now own or have owned, whether it was, you know, an old castle or a watermill or beach house in Malibu or whatever it was. I put oh, yeah, an old castle, bit. no big deal. That's, that's, we all have one well, of those. you'd rather the, the beach house in Malibu it's a much, would be a much better real estate <laughs> investment. But so you need gold. You need you need to have targets, and you need to be consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, what I hear you say, besides the work ethic, is is consistent. You have to be consistent. You got to have goals. You got to build systems. And heck, it sounds like you were the first one in, and probably the last one leave. I mean, it's easier to, you know, depending on where you are with your family and if you have kids and and that sort of thing. But but you you got to put the time in. 
Yeah, and the thing is, even family, kids, I'm very into family. Family, I'm very into work-life balance. Um, but I will tell you this, that was the joke in Chicago I was first in, and Drusy, who now runs Conlon, is Conlon Real Estate's manager. She tells a story where I called her one night at what turned out to be 2 a.m., and, of course, I was oblivious at the time. I was looking for an addendum to contract, and she was super cool. She answered the phone, told me where it was, and she said, by the way, Sean, you are aware it's 2 a.m. and normal people are in bed. <laughs> and I was so in the zone. And it got to the point where in the late 90s when I wanted to go to Egypt or to the Greek islands, there was a great, <laughs> great story that's totally true. I would leave my light on in the office and have my car parked out front so I would keep all the other agents on edge. Meanwhile, I would be sitting in a yacht in San Tropez. <laughs> oh. That's awesome. It's That's a true awesome. story. People still tell it. <laughs> and my brother, right. Kieran, who was a trooper, would park the car out front of the office for me every day when I was out of town. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, accountability. You know, iron sharpens iron, right? Uh, yep. And, and, and accountability. Um, it's so important. So, so systems, you talked about the elevator approach, right? I, I, yeah. I use the term elevated price points. And, and, you know, one of the things that I've found with, you know, the luxury listing certification that we, we create and we teach agents on is, you know, many times these luxury homes, you, you know, if I'm on the other part of the transaction or I'm interviewing an agent, and I, I like to know, hey, especially the buyer's agent, hey, how did you – develop the relationship with your client and you know we make these assumptions a lot of times but but it still is a people business and you know people don't care how much you and I know until they know we care and you know you get referrals because maybe you help the father and now they're referring to different generations or or you know getting in with these high net worth individuals if you do a great job with one you know they'll let others know and uh, you know with that elevator approach it doesn't happen overnight but if you do a good job and you do land that first high-end or trophy listing, you know, I will tell you, it's easier to attract those high-end listings. It's just that first one, you know, getting that first one might be the most difficult thing for many of these listeners. And I'm going to talk to, firstly, Michael Lafito. I've seen your program. I've seen what you do. I've seen what you do as a broker. And you really have developed a great system, and uh, long before you were affiliated with Colin Christie's, I would see your marketing material, and that is why we pursued you for an affiliation. I mean, it was incredible and impressive, and I suspect you can tell people your first contact. Here's what I will tell you. Rockefeller said, the door to opportunity opens for everybody in their lifetime. He's like, I've stuck my foot in it. It opens every day. You know, if you're, if you're in the ring you get a shot at the title. It's just a fact. Mm -hmm. It's not a cliche. But you have to be out there. I, between 93 and 99, probably sold four to 5,000 properties in Chicago. So I directly and indirectly touched all levels, you know, of society, wealth and otherwise in Chicago. And you're exactly right. I have sold $200,000 places and subsequently ended up doing $100 million of business with the family. You're exactly <laughs> right. So you treat everybody, firstly. People who are looking to elevate to the next level, treat your 200000 My first deal was $23,000. Is that right? Studio, yeah. And I treated it like I just sold, you know, a mansion out in Beverly Hills. But I'll tell you this. Treat every deal, you know, like 
they are the most important client in the world. Now, remember, you only have time. It's the only asset you have. Try not to waste it because people will right. waste your time. But you can be efficient and respectful. It's a very emotional process buying a home. Be sensitive of that, but try not to get drained by it. But ultimately, if you treat all your clients like they're the most important thing in the world, at some point, a door will open to a contact of theirs or whatever. You only need one or a shot at one, and you're there. And it will happen. It happens to everybody. I'll tell you a quick story. I remember uh, sitting floor in Koenig and Stray, and a gentleman came in, and I'm not making this up. He had a raccoon hat, and I still know him to this day. Mr. Kelly is his name. But the p- person on the floor did not want to deal with him because he looked like a, a lunatic. <laughs> and he talked like a lunatic. He's like, well, I want to spend a million four, right? That's what he said. And they're like, yeah, whatever. I sat with him because I have a natural curiosity, which I might add is a key to being a really good broker. You have to be naturally curious about people, their stories, where they come from. You have that, Mike. I found that you ask me so many interesting questions, and you go somewhere with them. So sat with him, talked with him, came to figure that he was the heir to a Isle Fortune in Texas. This was like 96. I wasn't doing big deals. I walked out the door. He bought the first property he saw for $1.4 million from me. Oh, my goodness. Didn't it go? Did you go back to the offer? You go back to the office and everybody was like so well, jealous. That was, before, oh, that was before doing the chicken walk was banned in the end zone. Of course, it did. I moonwalked yep. across the right. road to the office. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but true, totally true story. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Don't judge a book by its cover. Never. I mean, I found, you know, some of, I mean, California's a little bit more laid back. You've got a place in Malibu. But, yep. uh, you know, even, you know, I, I golfed today at a private club, and some of these members, you, you know, you know, they wear black T-shirts and, you know, and, and, and golf shorts and, and flip-flops, and, you know, they're crushing it. You know, you can't, you can't judge somebody. Oh, my by, God. I, I have a guy who lives next door to me in Malibu, and he drives, I'm going to say, a, 1994 Jeep. I don't mean a cool one, like a proper old beat-up one. Right. And uh, and he wears cut-off jeans like, you know, you might have worn in the 70s. 1980s. A Journey concert. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's worth, I just saw, $25 billion. And oh, if, trust me, if he rocked into your real estate office, you'd be like, oh, who's dealing with this guy? He's he's the guy with the raccoon hat. If you're judging, pretty much, just add a yeah. couple of more zeros to it. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. Yeah, so, no yep. magic. Yep. No magic. No magic. Absolutely. But um, you said one other thing. I want to just expand upon too is it's people. You're selling real estate, which is a wonderfully tangible thing you can touch. But it's about people, and you're selling people on you. And I'll tell you one other thing. A great salesperson listens, doesn't talk. I know people get nervous and feel the need to fill the dead air selling. Great sales, Mm -hmm. particularly at a luxury level, is listening. Why? People at that level will tell you what they want and what's important to them. So when somebody says, oh, you'd sell Santanarab, no. You don't want to sell Santanarab because he won't buy his trade-up desert from you. Uh, you know, or ice to Eskimos. No. Sell them something no. they want. And if you listen, people will tell you what they want, and you will know what's important. That's good sales. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I've, I've seen, you know, obviously just some of the, the, the episodes on the deed. And, of course, they do some editing so they can make it look how they want. However, you know, you do a great job of listening. And sometimes it's that uncomfortable silence. But, <laughs> yes, you know, with, with, with negotiations, too, right? I mean, you, it is you unbelievable. Know, and, by the way, you know, the, the D Chicago, obviously, we have a second season. I'm very excited about it. But, it's, you know, yes, it's congratulations. CNBC, it's a top business channel in the world, but it's real. I lend my own money. And those uncomfortable silence moments are real because people are either telling me stuff I need to know or saying things that are giving me a good insight into their mind. It's so important. And it's so hard when you're the salesperson because that silence, do they not like me? Do they not like the house? Well, at that level, at a luxury level, agent or broker, you're a chaperone, you're a tour guide, you're informative when asked, but you're not selling. You can still sell certain things, but it's a much more subtle thing. Yep, yep, good points. Um, you do a lot of traveling, Sean. I mean, uh, you know, when I shoot you a text, you're in Ireland or Malibu or, you know, all over the it's world. Great. You yeah. always catch me, by the way, when I'm running between flights or I've been fortunate to lift in somebody's plane and I'm running. And as you know, my response time to you is never over five minutes. No, it's always quick. I appreciate such, that. Such a significant player at our company and significant in general. And you're the same. You're so responsive. So sometimes I'm stripping through the airport trying to get back to it. But, yes, I am, you know, I just in from Mykonos, Greece, and Istanbul, and Dublin, and London next weekend. And so I see a lot of things. You see a lot of things. And what what, what do you see? um, I guess let's start in the, the, you know, the United States. What are you seeing as far as luxury real estate? and, And is it trending, like, more buyer's market, seller's market? Is it pretty consistent? What do you see trending yeah. overall in the luxury real estate market so in the U.S.? With, and we'll start particularly in America, but honestly, what, you know, as they say, America, America sneezes, the world catches a cold, right? Mm-hmm. So the world right now is a little uncertain, you know, the politics in America are just a little uncertain, regardless of what side you come down on. There's right. uncertainty, which has resulted in the luxury market and top-end market, you know, kind of sitting still right now. Because remember, people with that level of money, a lot of them, the capital is very fluid. It can move. Mm-hmm. People don't want to buy a million-dollar home, a $20 million home, a $50 million home, if they're not sure of the politics. Right. So I see it in Malibu, there was no inventory. You could not keep a home on the market on the beach. They were going up 10 20% a year. It was crazy. The last six, seven months, it has kind of stopped. We see the same in Chicago around the $2, 3000000 million price range. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is, it is presently flat to slow. And again, it's like life. It ebbs and flows. You have to be ready, and when it's quiet, you have to be preparing and making your way through so that when it kicks back, you're ready to go. So that's my advice. Same in London. You know, London had a lot of Russian money coming in and then a lot of Chinese money. And every generation, there's a new wave of capital fleeing somewhere that comes into London. That has stopped with fear of Brexit, and that has stopped with the Russian sanctions. So the global luxury market, bar a few bright spots, presently is pretty flat. But 
mm-hmm. it's a market you want to be in because when it comes back, it comes back with a bang. And long term, there's nothing like real estate. And luxury real estate in these locations for super wealthy people is a great preservation of capital move. Yeah, you, you, know, you hit a couple nails uh, on the head, so to speak. Uh, the first one is, you know, I, I always tell people when I'm doing trainings, I think the fastest way to earn instant credibility as a real estate agent or broker is land that first trophy listing. You yeah. land that first mansion, that notable client, and instant credibility to your database, your sphere, the other real estate agents. And I hate to say this, even if you don't sell it, okay, but right. but but even if, obviously, when you do sell it, it's even more credibility. And the second advice I always have for real estate agents that are looking to just focus on luxury is, depending on where they're at financially, look at your listing portfolio just like your financial portfolio. Do you have some you know, liquid cash? Do you have some high-risk, low-risk bond stocks? And no different than your listing inventory, you should diversify a little bit. Don't just put all your eggs in the luxury market. Unless you're in a marketplace where luxury is hot, you have to have some medium to lower end properties, you know, unless you're not the breadwinner. I and you absolutely can agree. I mean, listen, one, when I met the transition, and again, I love your elevator uh, analogy, but when I met, met that transition, I had my toes still firmly in the bread and butter market, which for me at the time was three dollars to $500,000, and I was selling tons of that, and I mean tons of it. So then, the, you know, the, the analogy is you go out and you shoot rabbits for dinner, and if you're fortunate enough and a, you know, a big buffalo jumps up on the trail, you shoot them, but that's not how you feed your family. So I always would keep your options in the sense that I had the bread and butter business, um, and the luxury was the bonus, which, of course, you ultimately want to transition into. But you, I honestly think you can, you can do both. And particularly if you're in the luxury space, you'll have no issue listing prices beneath that. Right. I think right. it's getting yeah. up the ladders a little harder yeah. you know, than moving back down it, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. When you're on top of the ladder, you know, there's a set of challenges that do occur once in a while. You'll have a medium-end seller that might say, well, listen, I didn't even call you, Sean, because it looks like you're only doing the high-end stuff, and, and I didn't think you'd be as motivated. But, but the, you know, th- that's sales 101, overcoming objections, right? And so we help absolutely. Agents, you know, that all the time. Um, as, as far as uh, overall you know, you mentioned a couple things with luxury, and I appreciate it. You kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, what what advice would you have for somebody just getting into real estate? Would you tell them to wait 5, 10, 20 years before going into luxury? Or you would you tell them, heck no, if there's an opportunity, seize it? Absolutely. So I would tell you, firstly, you're getting into real estate. Know your market. Read everything you can about it so you can have a conversation. Pick, pick a one square mile, say, for example, and farm it extensively. Know everything about it. Know your school districts. Know your cool restaurants. Walk around the neighborhood. You know, work your bread and butter, but keep your eye open. Make sure everybody knows you're in real estate. Talk to everybody. Talk to everybody. Talk to people in Starbucks. I mean, Heads up, the way the CIA gathers intelligence is 
They go out and talk to people. You'd be amazed what people will tell you, and you might get one piece of information from one person and another from another, and then you piece them together. That's how I would stay ahead of new developments. I'd talk to a guy who was doing excavations. I'd see him in Starbucks. I'd say, oh, where are you knocking and build, digging? And he'd say, there. Then I'd meet the mason guy, and suddenly I'd figure out who was doing it or who was looking at what and go and try and acquire the pieces of real estate beside it for clients. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, that, that's great advice. Uh, you did a lot with developments as well, and uh, maybe we'll have you back on, a, on another interview to talk a little bit about uh, real estate developments and how agents and brokers can, can make their in with that. Uh, Absolutely. Sean, um, you know, if somebody wants to hear more about uh, Conlin, your Christie's affiliate, uh, and perhaps, uh, you know, get, get in touch with your assistant or some that maybe they have a referral for one of your agents in the Chicago market, um, what's, is there a good email for maybe your assistant? Or, well, so, uh, so firstly, uh, my website is seanconlin.com. And that's Sean, S-E-A-N. Yes. C-O-N-L-O-N, SeanConlon.com. But okay. I would say for all of the good real estate needs is they should find Michael Lafito, who is <laughs> our Thank star you. luxury sales guy. Um, and I would say that um, basically Conlon Christie's in Chicago, but they find Michael Lafito and they'll find us. Yep. And uh, the one point I will give you, and you had asked me quickly on the new construction, I'm watching everybody jostling right now trying to get developers Here's how you get developers. You drive around to every development. You chat to them. Ask them what sort of land they're looking for. It's impossible nearly to go and pitch a building that's been built. That train's left. But if yep. you can find out what they need, I do what I did. I walked up and down the street in my, the neighborhood I was working and put contracts on their doors when I knew what the developer wanted. Knocked on the doors. You get them the land. You get them the house to tear down you get the development, generally speaking. Finding properties that aren't even necessary on the market, right? Everybody's got I never got them on the market because when I started in 94, 95, focusing on the new development, everybody was starting to chase it. I went out and knocked on the doors. Yep. Yep. I remember climbing a fence in the snow and, you know, to try to get and knock the door and there were two big dogs in the yard when I fell into the snow. I mean, you wouldn't make it up. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so but that's, we will you know, you've got to be willing. Go ahead. No, we will talk again about how to really probably get into new development, but that is the simplest cut to the chase approach. Yeah. You get the land, you get the property for the developers, then you have it. Yeah, get the attention, get, you know, get the attention of the developer, be willing to do things that your competition isn't. That's Don't right. be afraid of failure. You talked about stepping into the boxing ring. You know, you got the, the big um, McGregor uh, Mayweather fight, your Irish lad over there we're pulling for. But, uh, you know, I use the baseball analogy. You can't get a home run unless you don't get into that batter's box. And, and many people will never step out, foot out of the dugout because they're worried about the what ifs. What if I strike out? What if this? What if I get hit? What do people think? What if? What if? What if? And they don't step into that batter's box. But what I can tell you is the more at-bats you get, the more likelihood you get that single, then that double, and then that home run. You can't be afraid to fail. And there's that great Teddy Roosevelt quote about the credit belongs to the man who's in the arena, right? Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. You know? Great they, yeah. say, they say our greatest weakness lies in giving up. 
and the most certain way to succeed is to try just one more time. I know I've sent that out to you guys, and it's so true. Yes, it, it is. The Teddy Roosevelt quote is something everybody should read. The credit belongs to the man who is in the arena. So whether you win or lose, you are in the game. Yep, yep. Well, I love it. Well, we're we're just about out of time here, Sean. Uh, your time is valuable, so I don't want to take any more. No, of it. it's That's... been a real pleasure, Michael. And obviously, I have crazy respect for what you do, and you're fantastic. You're absolutely somebody to aspire to as a broker. So, if you're out there speaking to these brokers and agents, I I, I suspect you will produce some real winners. So. Uh, I'm, I'm very flattered that you would choose to interview me for your show, so thank oh. you. No, I, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I had a gal, a Keller Williams agent down in Texas. Uh, she sat through my training a few months ago, and she's never listed anything above 450 in her life, and she's never sold anything above 700000 in her life. And she's, uh, trying to, she's about to go on a $5.1 million listing appointment, so she called me in a panic. So, again, with the, with the Marketing Luxury Group, those listeners, if you're looking to break into the high end, make sure you go to LuxuryListingSpecialist.com for more information on our certification. Feel free to listen to other podcasts. We've had some amazing interviews and past guests. And, again, if there's other services that you're interested in, we do help agents, we do help brokerages, and we do offer area-exclusive uh, products. So my name is Michael Lafito. Sean, it's been a pleasure. And remember, folks, it's not the market. It's the marketing. You guys have been a great audience. And check out other podcasts at LuxuryListingPodcast.com. Hey there, it's Michael Lafito. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. If you are interested in signing up for our Luxury Listing Specialist certification, or if you want additional information on how you can dominate selling higher-end homes in your marketplace, make sure you go to LuxuryListingSpecialist.com.